Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, one final thing before we jump into today's episode. Uh, Sports Renaissance Man. That's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. It is a daily newsletter um, where I cover all kinds of uh, great sports content, personal essays, uh, links to full episodes of this very show, um, Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports, NFL, NBA, college football. I write about it all. Boy Meets World. Yeah, you can find all of it on the Sports Renaissance Man newsletter by just going over to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com com type in your email today become a subscriber if you like listening to this show i think you might like reading my work as well combination writing podcasting two of my favorite things and you can find it over at sports renaissance man dot com check it out today also check out chasemonspodcast.com new website looks great all kinds of great links check them both out bookmark them sports renaissance man dot dot com Type in your email. That easy. That simple. Do it today. And then chasethomaspodcast.com as well for all the links, full episode notes um, about the show, how we got started, who I am, if you're not familiar with the Chase Thomas Podcast, and just me, Chase Thomas, um, outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, local, Atlantan, um, and all that good stuff. All the information you need, chasethomaspodcast.com. Then email me, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com for any questions, mailbag stuff, anything for me or my hosts each and every week, co-hosts each and every week, Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out the Chase Thomas Podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, if you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content every single day tennessee vols atlanta sports guys sports reporters assemble nfl nba college football all that and more right here on this feed each and every day your favorite writers analysts personalities in the space on this very feed every day so if you like that you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in knoxville tennessee then this is the show for you so make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player and if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave a, this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker 
whoever about the Chase Notes podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating. Write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second. Hit that pause button. Take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ with Joe Milton himself. They're on dime after dime after dime in these balls. Like many are saying, just the best, prettiest ball in college football going into this year. Um, John Campbell revealing he transfers up here from Miami as our starting left tackle because there was a more Waffle Houses close by that he's a big fan of Waffle House and they're just you have to drive 40 minutes in Miami. Uh, sometimes recruiting wars are that simple. How close is the nearest Waffle House? Uh, and now, does that speak more to what happened with Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech? How did you struggle this much when you uh, dipped your toes so far into the Waffle House waters to not get so many guys in there? Hey, that's a question for another day. Land of Sports Guys, we've reassembled here on a Monday night. Different kind of night. We might fiddle around here with our schedule uh, during the week to make sure that we can all uh, get on this very show. What that means. W Millennial himself, 247 Sports, the top 25 recruiting uh, uh, recruiting uh, ranking team in Georgia yeah. Tech right now. So that's a, hang, hang a banner for that. I mean, hang honestly... For the last seven plus years, it's, uh, it's banner worthy if they can find their way into the top. Pretty 25. close. If they finish in the top twenty-five, that's you. You might as well hang the banner. There you go. Well, that's Garrett Chapman. Garrett, good evening. How are you? I'm excited, man. Big day. Finally back. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a minute. So, uh, looking forward to having another good uh, Atlanta discussion here. Is that what we're talking about? Um, Max Markovich also here, where we learned that Padea is actually spelled uh, P A I D E I A. Many would not have guessed it. You know what? I also just realized when you drive by Padea, and this is this is why this isn't a very you're not going to get this kind of Atlanta content anywhere else on the <laughs> podcasting sphere. Like, oh, Locked On Hawks, we're going to talk about cap sheets. You know, what you're not going to talk about in Locked On Hawks with Brad Rowan. You're not going to talk about the Padea Pythons and how the spelling works. You know what else you're not going to talk about? There's no signage. You drive down Ponce. There's no sign. You don't know. I thought for There's years it was a library. Like I didn't know what I was looking at when I'm driving by Padea. Like you don't even realize it's a school. Because the buildings buildings all used to be homes. They all used to be homes. They bought up homes and then like just made that school. Yeah. I've Uh, I've uh, driven past it a bunch of times because my house used to be over there. There's Mm -hmm. one sign. It's pretty small and it's not directly on Ponce. So you can't really see it. There's no I've never seen a sign for Bidet. Like it was just one of those. You just you learn if you're from Atlanta, you drive by. Someone tells you, oh, that's a high school. It's it's on a need to know basis. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, checking in as the uh, coaches poll number two uh, preseason, Michigan Wolverines led by future Falcon J.J. McCarthy. How is it going to work with him backing up uh, Trey Lance? (laughs) Oh, well, backing up Trey Lance. Ain't nobody going to be backing up Trey Lance anymore. I've said, look, uh, I mean, we could... I'm going to hold it. I'm still going to hold it, but I'm on... I'm it's just gonna far, say it's far too late to be trading for a starting quarterback. I hope that's not what you're implying. No, I just think it wouldn't be this year. I just my instincts are just I don't think Ritter is the quarterback. This we can time wait. This year. We can wait on this. Actually. Yeah, we can wait. We, yeah. we can wait on that. Um, but we cannot wait 
on all kinds of other pressing Atlanta sports news. And we haven't all been together to do this Atlanta Hawks offseason grade where our collective. Um, it, here's something that's cool when I was preparing for this. Uh, you don't have to look very hard to figure out what the Atlanta Hawks did this summer. Um, it was extend the De, uh, DeJounte Murray, draft Kobe Bufkin, uh, trade John Collins, and end of cycle. That uh, that was about it. Like you can throw in a Patty Mills here, and that's nice. Jalen Johnson working out with LeBron James. That's cool, I guess. Click Capello uh, popping into Dallas Mavericks trade rumors during draft time. That obviously did not come to fruition, and me telling Mavs Twitter, like, that's not happening. Trey Young's not signing off on Clint Capella getting moved. Um, Clint Capella also noted at Trey Young's wedding, we should mention Trey Young did get married uh, this summer. And there was, I because I love sports fans, there were people counting and seeing who was at Trey's wedding and who was not, and what that might mean uh, for the Hawks. DeJounte noted uh, Trey Young uh, fan. DeJounte Murray was at the wedding. I believe um, John Collins did not... Uh, make it to the wedding i don't believe so not really a shocker on that front but um when it comes to the offseason grade though max now that everything's played out the way it is you get a michigan man in the first round here who did not have a good summer league at all um to this point but we've seen uh guards uh for the atlanta hawks in recent years have bad summer leagues and figure it out uh come uh regular uh nba play but what would be your grade based on everything the Hawks have done to this point? Incomplete. I know that's a cop You can't out. do it. No, no. It's not. It's complete. They're done. It's not complete. It's not, they're, they're not done. They're not done. Do you not I, think they're done? No, I don't. Um, in fact, I actually think they're going to trade Capella, and I think you're wrong about that, but we'll see. Uh, Whoa! And I, I, I still think Siakam's <clears throat> on the table. Uh, well, we'll get I, to Siakam. I don't think that's done. I think... If we're grading each of these moves individually, the DeJounte extension is an A+. Plus. Um, mm. I, I thought there was no chance he was going to sign that extension. I'm still not completely clear why he did. Um, when you see guys like Jalen Brown signing, what, $65 million a year mm. um, to get DeJounte for half that is kind of wild. Mm. Um, so that's an A+. Plus. Like Whether you like the fit or not, that's keeping an asset like that at $30 million. $30 million is going to be like a you know fringe starter type of money in like two years. Um, I love the Buffkin pick. Obviously I'm a homer. I would not be alarmed at all by summer league. To me, that was a lot of like his body's not ready yet. And like, I I think that's honestly the main hurdle. Like he showed he can shoot. He's got a nice stroke. He's a good creator, a good passer. He will be a good defender when his body's ready. He's a guy who'll be able to play off the ball he can, you know, run the point in a pinch. I, I like the Buffkin pick as like a long-term asset play, similar to the Jalen Johnson pick was. Um, I don't know what to make of the Hawks right now, though, because I don't think it's done. And if it is done, like, what's different here? Um, I don't know. I didn't, it's not like I wanted them to sign. I think they have too many bodies, not, not mm-hmm. you know, not the opposite. And I would be perfectly happy shipping off Capella for whatever you get for him. Um, I'd be perfectly happy shipping off DeAndre Hunter and cutting bait there. I I don't know. It feels like it's still a transition. I don't know if Garrett feels the same way. Yeah, no, I think it's. If you want me to put a grade on it, I will. I'll give it like a C plus or a B minus or something. But Max, I'm with you. I don't think this is. We're we're far from finished. Uh, I think uh, I think we've got a, a handful of deals left on the table. I think Pascal Siakam is a guy who they could very well trade for. Uh, 
and as far as the deal with John Collins, I'm going to bring that one up specifically because I think it's an addition by subtraction. Uh, With Quinn Snyder here, I just didn't see a role for him. And so you got what you could. Would I like to see more? Yeah, sure. But based off of what we saw from him after Quinn Snyder was installed as head coach, I really didn't see a role for him here. Um, He couldn't shoot at a high level. And bringing in a guy like Sadiq Bey, I think, is going to be a lot more useful for this team. And giving him more minutes and more touches, I think, is going to be good for this offense in general. And DeJounte Murray, of course, is the slam dunk of the off season. I mean, I Max, I'm with you. I have absolutely no idea why he did that. Um, he cost himself tens of millions of dollars. Uh, so I really don't know why he did it. I'm grateful that he did it. Uh, I'm glad he's going to be a Hawk uh, because he's a very useful asset for this team. And even if, even if he's not somebody who's going to be on this team for a very long time, which I don't really see how that's going to happen. I and mean, you could potentially use him as a trade chip if all of this falls apart and like Trey Young demands a trade or something, or maybe you can build around DeJounte. I mean, based off of what you're going to be paying him over the next couple of years, it's going to be pretty awesome <laughs> to have him on this roster and have him as just as a piece uh, that's going to be around. I still don't know really how he fits alongside of Trey Young. We're one year in and I really still don't know. Um, I think Quinn Snyder will help that issue, but Max, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think we're done. I think there's another deal or two left on the table, and I think that something's going to happen sooner rather than later, at least before we we get into October. That's interesting. I, I think, I think both of y'all are right in that if you think it's incomplete or you think there are moves to make, then it's still a TBD on uh, Landry and company here. But if it this is it, I think a C plus is about right because yeah. this is a 41 and 41 team that you're running it back without John Collins. <clears throat> basically and look you could sell yourself on best case scenario like a full year with trey and Dejounte. that's just more basketball together they're two all-star level guys they'll begin be more and more comfortable with each other sadiq bay we've seen what he did for the spacing with this group that should be better jalen johnson takes a step forward aj griffin takes a step forward wesley matthews maybe a contributor um like hey it's like not a bad signing like wesley matthews is actually okay uh, given the circumstance, I think it's it's fine. And Kyle Corver, I love when it's just like, oh, that was a uh, Kyle Corver. Like, hey, can we bring in Wesley Matthews type deal? Um, which is what I want to believe. I want to believe like they give Kyle like one or two. Like Kyle, which shooter, which veteran shooter do you want uh, on the roster? All right, uh, we'll go get Wesley Matthews. Go ahead, Max. I, I, no, I I would say like it's hard, it's hard to to like sift through like what is the fault of Landry and Kyle yeah. here. You know, with like the old regime sort of leaving some of these people you know it's not the new regime's fault that john collins value had depreciated to yeah. nothing it's not their fault they didn't get that contract either it's unclear to me who gave the bogey extension i don't really think that's going to age great but i don't whatever that's kind of so like i don't know what they could have done this offseason that would have been like a you know like what what move was on the table there that that i feel like they squandered or it's it's a pivot right now with this roster mm-hmm. because you sort of reached this plateau of like here's kind of what this team is now they have to figure out how to get it to a new level and I think that new level is going to have to come from in house development and I think mm-hmm. that's where um that's where the new coaching staff like helps quite a bit with like if your bet on becoming a championship level team is like a couple of Onyeka AJ Griffin Jalen Johnson like that sort of next core develop beyond maybe what you thought like that's a reasonable bet to make i want to see those guys get more minutes and so if that's the case then the priority is kind of 
retooling, getting rid of some of these veterans and letting them play more and seeing if that pays off. I just think it's going to be incomplete for like probably until the trade deadline, maybe even through next year. Like this Mm year is going to be a very weird year because I don't think you can reasonably have expectations of like a top three seed. Um, But I don't think this team's going to be bad. Like they have a lot of really good basketball players and a really good basketball coach. So I don't know what to make of that. I mean, Hawks I fan TV had the Hawks as a top three seed. I saw on Twitter who did X a couple days ago. I mean, that would that's projecting like a Quinn Snyder like masterclass, right? To to improve well, last year. You also have to remember he didn't have any of his coaches on staff at all, mm. and he's gone in and he's added a bunch of guys. Maybe that helps. I, I mean, I would assume it does. I mean, as much as coaching can help at the professional level, but um, which I mean, I, I guess it does to it just to an extent, but. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that it's it's probably the least important of all the coaching professions is the NBA. But um, I mean, if we see some progression from Trey Young, if we see some more fluidity between he and, and DeJounte Murray, and then if if you have Sadiq Bey who's starting, Jalen Johnson as your as your bench guy, you can come in and be an energy guy on defense. Um, but starting Sadiq Bey and then DeAndre Hunter, maybe he has a pulse from the three-point line and can do the catch and shoot. Maybe he finally reaches that level. Or he um, just plays consistent basketball and it's not just true. consistent basketball. Just so we know what we're going to get. Can from I get him on seventy-two a, a games out of DeAndre Hunter this year? Well, we'll see. How many did he play we'll last see. year? He, he played a full season. He last played year. like sixty-five. Or I was going to say he didn't yeah. hit seventy last year. There's no way DeAndre Hunter. How many, how many guys 70. in the NBA play seventy games at all? Period. I mean, guys who make that kind of money, you better I be think, playing. I, I think the most interesting well, question about the Hawks is like he played sixty-seven. By the way, I was so close. That's pretty much a full season. He played fifty-three the year prior. And then 2021, 21, 23. He's never played 70 plus games in his entire career. 63 is his, 67 was his most last year. The most interesting Hawks question is like, if there was a Woj tweet tomorrow that they traded for Siakam, like what is the list in order of guys who you'd be like most upset were in that trade? You know, like, <laughs> well, let's just get me- into it. The Siakam thing, because that was like the thing. Did, I mean, did this hurt your feelings, Max, when you saw that like part of the wonder as to why Siakam wasn't a Hawk yet was because they're waiting for Kobe Bufkin to be trade eligible. Like, I didn't know that that was part of the the calculus here is like Kobe Bufkin would have to be included in the deal. So he like, you can't trade a draft pick that quickly. So now he technically can be traded. So that can happen now. Is that something you're, you're thinking about? And what two parts here? First, do you want Pascal Siakam in Atlanta this year? Um, I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest. Like, I do think he would help. I think he would help more than some of the skeptics maybe are. To me, like the the hesitation is all about the one year, right? Are Mm. you trading for a one year rental and then he's going to, he's going to walk. And if not, do you want to tie up your salary cap in Trey DeJounte and Pascal Siakam, right? Like, is that a, I feel like they're stuck in this, in this loop of like, we can improve the roster, but like, then you're just you're just getting more expensive and not much better because the star power isn't quite there. Well, isn't that so, what they should do though? Kind of like where I'm at, and I don't know if you're here, Garrett. Where I would, the reason I'm probably pro trade for Pascal, like All Star, another All Star, maybe not a clean fit like Dejounte Murray, but this is like you might as well maximize whatever you can left over of the Trey Young experience here in Atlanta because if it doesn't work with Dejounte then Trey's probably out, DeJounte's probably out, and then you're going to have to start over anyway. And with where things are headed over the next couple of years, I 
Like, but you I might as well just see what you can do with this group and then just blow it up in three years if it doesn't all work out anyway. I don't know that you'd have to, like, start over from scratch because of this next batch of guys that they are developing that could be really good players. Like, I think that Onyeka Kong is going to be a really good player, and he is number one atop my list of, like, if he was in the Siakam trade, like, that's an automatic L. Like, I don't I don't want that. Um, I think Jalen Johnson is going to be a really good player. I know you disagree. That's fine. I think AJ Griffin is going to be a really good player. I, I think eventually Kobe Buffkin is going to be a really good player. And so like there's a world here where like, yeah, if the trade experience doesn't work and you have to trade him, like you're turning into sort of like a new gen Raptors, right? Where you got a mm. bunch of like young developmental guys that could be frisky and you're not really good yet, but like it's not like tearing down to the studs and starting over. And so I think the question is like, do you just sort of push the chips in here, trade a few of those young guys and see what happens? Or do you develop these guys that you have and operate on sort of these dual tracks? Well, you know. can always find a Jalen Johnson. You can always find an AJ Griffin. You can always you find can. a Kobe Bufkin. I don't know that you can. AJ Griffin's like 19 years old and like showed like a really high upside last year as a 19 year old. He's going to be like a Rudy. Jalen Johnson's like a yeah. really, really high energy two-way four who can guard like pretty much anybody um pretty much anybody yeah yeah who have we seen what do you mean pretty much anybody like can we are you comfortable throwing him against Giannis in a first round series and you're like Jalen it's your time anyone against Giannis but like he's what was he like 20 21 last year like you got to account for the fact that these guys are like borderline teenagers and like developing and showing Mm -hmm. that development AJ Griffin was 19 years old last year i I don't even know know how old you know jalen johnson was drafted at 18 i think or 19 um and has shown incremental improvement every single year and last year i think brought an element that quinn center really likes we're probably never going to see eye to eye on jalen johnson that's fine um i just think it's it's a little more complicated where like i don't know that i want to trade all these young guys to like still be the four seed what do you think garrett I just don't. I mean, I like the idea of getting a Pascal Siakam. I just don't know if he's. If you're making this move, you're making this move because it puts you over the top, and mm-hmm. I don't know if this move would put you over the top. Um, but is there a move out there in the next year or two no. that will put them over the top? Like, I don't think no, that move I exists. So. I don't, I don't think, think there so. is. I think it'd be Jalen Brown. But he just got locked in. You're not 65. Yeah, million? but like everyone, everyone is like, oh, he's just going to ask out from Boston in a year. That's what all these guys he's do. He's making 65 million dollars. He's got now the most untradeable the super max. The and, and then you say you're unhappy and you leave. That's you're fine. NBA. Dude, I you, don't you, know. I think the NBA is 65 million dollars a year this. is so much money. Um, no, but you look at this team. I'm, I'm taking a look at it. It's like your eight deep is fine. Like your bench, your bench five is Kobe Bufkin, Bogdanovich, AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson, and Yeko Kongwu. Like that's. Mm. That's a strong bench unit, you know, and like I'm not going to go to my any deeper really than that. Like if you want Patty Mills to come in, fine, screw it. Like he can come in and play five to ten minutes a game or, or I mean, I mean, really, that's as deep as I'm going to go. I'm not going to go. I Gouye is not coming in here. Wesley Matthews, Vet Creechy, Bruno Fernando. These guys aren't playing. Like They're just not. And so you're eight deep. I think the addition by subtraction by losing John Collins is going to be felt this year. And I think it's a good thing because you don't have as many guys eating at minutes, which means you're going to build up some more fluidity. Now it does mean that you are a lot thinner. So if you get hurt, then you're kind of screwed. Like that's why Deandre Hunter's health this year is paramount 
If he can't play, are you comfortable starting AJ Griffin and potentially playing him 35 minutes a game? I mean, you have to, I don't know. Maybe not yet. I mean, you saw what happened with Quinn Snyder. Once Quinn Snyder was installed, AJ Griffin had put more goose eggs up than he did play. Sure. So I'm not sure that Quinn Snyder feels completely comfortable with that. So there are a lot of things that that are here that are pointing to the fact that the Hawks aren't done. I just don't know what move there is. Pascal Siakam's a good player. Like, would I like to have another guy who could score 25 points per game and shoot 50% from the field? Of course. Absolutely. Are we confident that he can come out and and give you three or four three-pointers a game? Mm, I don't know. The weird part about this trade, too, is that, like, wasn't DeJounte the main, like, idea here, whereas it was like a... Uh, DeJounte Murray, Pascal Siakam swap. And then when uh, DeJounte locked in with the Hawks, it was like, okay, Pascal doesn't make sense for Atlanta anymore if they want to keep him. Well, Trey Young plus Pascal Siakam combo makes more sense than a Trey DeJounte pair. Yeah. The shooting there is pretty worrisome, right? Like Trey DeJounte, Hunter, Siakam, and Capella is. I don't know where the shooting yeah, is. Capella wouldn't be from. on this roster. If, if I think Capella Even would be. Even though, yes. like. Even if it's in Yekka, and Yekka's taken, he took his first three pointer in April. He's not going to be a plus shooter this year. I He's can not tell be a you plus that. Yeah, it's not happening. I mean, maybe he can shoot thirty percent, and if he can take maybe one or two threes a game, I, I think the 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 fit question with Trey and Dejounte, like you absolutely have to have a four who can who can like shoot it, and that's mm-hmm. where Sadiq is you so valuable Sadiq, to this team. Um. I Look don't, at you I coming don't, around on Sadiq Bay. No, I, li- I like I Sadiq. Ever... I just think I think like on the flip side of that, when you have a Trey Young basketball team having a four who like can't really guard anybody is an issue. But I digress on that. I don't. I just don't. The Siakam fit doesn't excite me that much. And and when it adds to the fact that like he has pretty much expressed that he wants to hit free agency, I don't. It doesn't move the needle like for that. me. And I would rather roll these. I wish it was OG and an OB. I would rather have OG. Me too. And I wish DeAndre Hunter was appealing in any kind of package like that, you know? That's, you know, it's funny. I don't know if it's me, but it's like, that's who I wanted out. Like, I'm out. I I just, I'm over DeAndre Hunter. Do you know who his closest similarity scores are on basketball reference to this point in his career? Who's, by the way, he's 25. Like, DeAndre Hunter is 25. This is it. Like, he is who he is. There's no next level for DeAndre Hunter at this point. But, like, Darvin Ham, Mo Wagner... Like, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, oh, you traded up Tony Brown, Brian Scalabrini? I mean, goodness gracious. Like, I, the DeAndre Hunter stuff really bothers me, and I'm just part of, like, I'm a big A.J. Griffin guy. I would just, I just want to move on. Like, I, I just go let him be a vet somewhere else. No, like... You don't have to think about him being the guy that the Hawks traded up for. I just, I'm ready to get out of the DeAndre Hunter experience. Doesn't that I, I, extension? Doesn't that extension scream of like? I, I, Schlenk gave him that extension. I think mm-hmm. like screams of like we traded up for this guy. We already invested yes. in him. We have to give him this deal because mm-hmm. otherwise, like, who would have been upset if they just let DeAndre Hunter hit free agency? Hawks Talk had a good point where they were, uh, I don't know if you listened to the, that Hawks podcast, but it's a good one. And I was listening to it the other day and they made a good point where it's like, 
all offseason, like there should be just a rule. DeAndre Hunter is not allowed to shoot any more mid range. Like it's just you're out. That has to be removed. You're either corner three or you're getting fouled at the rim. That's it. Like you're not doing any more because he loves that stuff. He loves. And then you think, okay, if you're going to do that, are you going to be aggressive? Are you going to start doing that a lot? Are you actually going to be that kind of player? And it's like, no, I'm going to go get cardio for the whole second quarter. It's like everything about DeAndre Hunter drives me nuts. He's bad for my health. Like DeAndre Hunter is bad for my Hawks fandom. I don't want to do 70 games of DeAndre Hunter again next year. I think the good news is they have a coach who might agree with you on that and might make that change. So we'll see. And I think AJ Griffin is more likely to buy into that. Like I could see AJ Griffin being a better shooter. Yeah. Like I think AJ will do it. That's why I'm just, I would not be, I don't, here's a good test here. We'll go around Garrett. Clint Capella is on this roster this time yet uh, next year. True or false? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I think of everybody who could be traded, I think he's probably the most appealing um, because he's a, a, a steady veteran who you know what you're going to get from him on a nightly basis. Um, he's on a pretty affordable contract that he's under under contract for the next two years, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. So, no, probably not, um, because if you're making a move, he's probably one of those guys who's going to go. Uh, if you don't make a move, then yeah, I, I mean, I I have a home. There's a home for him here. I can see that, but he's just an he's just an appealing piece. So if you go and get a guy like Pascal Siakam, if you go get a guy, uh, or any of these other chips, I mean, I just feel like Clint Capella is going to be involved in some capacity if it's a three way trade. Max, what do you think? Ninety five percent. No, he's not on this team. Oh, I think. I think, um, I mean, he is he is money to make it pretty much any trade work, right? It's him or Hunter, uh, or I guess Bogey. But um, I think Garrett's right. He's probably like an appealing piece for a, a contending team. And I think most importantly, Quinn Snyder has all the intel shows that Quinn Snyder really wants to let the Anyeka Kongwu, uh, you know, toy out of the out of the whatever. I, I think it's time they have to turn that spot over. Uh, I think it's clear they want to, and I kind of think he doesn't start the season on the Hawks this year. On the flip side, and I'm going to throw out this too, I think Capella, if he is gone, I don't think he's in Toronto. I don't think Toronto absorbs Capella. They just paid Jakob Pertl, um, extended him. I don't it would think be a three-way a, trade. It'd yeah, he'd have to go trade. somewhere else. I will not rule out, because Minnesota's been so quiet, Rudy Gobert has been so glowing about Quinn Snyder. He's like, he's the guy who gave me a chance eight years ago. The Quinn cat or the cat go bear stuff's never going to work long time. That twin towers experience. I would just circle that one. I'm not predicting Rudy Gobert is a Hawk, but if I had to just circle one where I'm like, if Capella's shipped out in a deal and the Hawks do something, I, I would not be surprised if the way they reallocate their resources Quinn's like devastating pick and roll with Gobert and Trey. We'll uh, have De- uh, Dejounte Murray cut, and then we'll just play the two young guys, AJ Griffin and Jalen Johnson, at the three and four, and hope they develop into something. And maybe DeAndre Hunter, but I think he might be in the deal too. Um, I I just made Max uh, physically sick. I I just tell I, me out on like all of that. I'm, but I'm, I'm could you see? On... Could you see Quinn if he is the leading I decision maker here? Can't. I really okay. can't. I, I can't see anyone taking on Rudy Gobert at 40 plus million a year willingly. And I, I also can't like Utah just gave up like 80 million picks for him. 
Yeah. I don't I, I I think they would trade Towns before they trade Gobert. I don't know if they can. They would yeah. lose so much face. They would lose so much face if they traded him after. You're going to trade him for nothing. You're, gonna, you're just going to dump him after. They're not going to get anything. They're not going to recoup any of the value. Yeah. It's impossible. They've they've married him, and it's it's just it. There is no divorce. I will just say, I would not like if this time next year Rudy Gobert is a hawk. That would not be like whoa. Really? If he wasn't making forty million dollars a year, I'd be sure fine because but he's inept on offense. I mean, granted, if you get a guy like Trey around him, I think that would elevate his game to. Really they'd be a regular level, season but... monster like those two who win the regular they would be a regular season monster yeah yeah i don't want to watch it i don't want to watch it is, i don't want a regular season monster i want a playoff monster and yeah. he kind of disappears when it comes to the playoffs and that's not somebody who i want especially if he's on the wrong side of 30 who i don't really see is getting better or lasting by any meaningful amount of time much less for 40 million dollars so i'm all out what about DeAndre Hunter though? This time next year, Garrett, is he a hawk? Who? DeAndre Hunter. This time next year, is he an yes. Atlanta hawk? I just don't see. I don't really see how they recruit any value for him. Um, well, you saw I mean, this past he, summer. They're okay like with moving off guys trades. that don't have any value left to them. That they're like, hey, here, would you like a John Collins? Or would you like a yeah, Kevin Hunter? DeAndre Hunter still has value. To, the John Collins didn't. I'm, with all due respect to John Collins, he his additions to this team were coming on the offensive end or they were supposed to be and deandre hunter does a little bit more for you that doesn't show up on a stat sheet um as long as he's catching and shooting on offense and and not fumbling the ball out of bounds then i think he's fine because he gives you positive play on defense and john collins was giving you some effort on defense but he wasn't really giving you positive play in the same way that deandre hunter is capable of doing so I think DeAndre Hunter still has a role on this team. I don't know if he's going to ever deliver on the value that he was drafted to be, um, or even the one that they re-signed him, extended him to be. But I think he's still going to be a hawk. I I want to throw this out too. We can end it here, uh, Max, when it comes to DeAndre and everybody else. I think, is this a fair characterization, but the Kevin Herter trade, the DeJounte Murray trade, the John Collins trade. I think the Hawks were the losers in all three of this. I think all three were actually bad trades by this current front office. And I think they're for different reasons, but John Collins, you do not get fair value. You made your team potentially worse because John Collins, the best version, still should have gotten some depth pieces. It still should have been more than what they got, uh, What the best version of what we saw from Collins. Part of that's not, I'll, I'll throw that out for Landry and company. The Kevin Herter trade, I think, is indefensible. I think what you got back there, especially with what we saw from Justin Holiday, who's now uh, off the roster, and then um, what's his name, who's immediately Mo Harkless, Mo immediately Harkless. waved. Yeah. And then um, it might be like, oh, Dejounte Murray with just the picks and everything that was involved there. I think even with the contract and getting him locked in makes it better. The fact that he did uh, sign an extension um, saves face a little bit. But if you're a 41-41 team and you gave up that amount, like that was your big move because those picks are gone. That was your big, big swing was DeJounte Murray. I think after year one, you would say bad trade. That is a, doesn't mean it's not going to, it's going to be a horrible trade, like set your franchise back like 10 years type of deal. But I think after a year, I think it's fair to say the front office lost that one too based on what we've seen to this point because i think there were better like with what we saw bradley beal get traded for if he waited a little bit longer there like i'm not saying he would have been the 
long-term right answer defensively and all that kind of stuff. But like, I do think there is now a growing trend that this front office has actually been kind of bad at trades. Well, you have to sort of separate this again because who made the Kevin Herter trade? Mm. Basically ownership, right? Uh, who? Well, I mean, there's a difference between ownership who, saying we're who, not paying Kevin Herter, but them not getting a better trade for Kevin Herter than okay. what the Kings it, offered. Point I mean, you're also like, offering is with a hand tied behind your back. It's hard. It's impossible to know like who made these trades. Like mm. Blank got sort of pushed out. In the Which is always of, a good sign of a healthy organization is we right. don't know who's making we trades. Don't, we don't know who to blame for these trades, <laughs> right? And the John Collins issue, like, that's really in the in the not making the deal, right? Mm. Like they had value on the on the board for him at one at some point, we presume. Um, it wasn't this front office that gave him the extension in the first place. Um with the DeJounte trade, it sure seems like Schlenk didn't want to do it. I still am more positive on that trade than I think you are especially well not especially like because of the contract extension yeah um and the herder deal yeah it sucked but it, it, it's a mandate from ownership to stand at a luxury tax i don't think there's any sort of there's no other way to talk about that trade and yeah. you got nothing for him and that that stinks too it's not a like it's not been a, a well-run organization the last few years i think that's the bottom line and I don't know if a well-run organization would have turned this roster into a title contender. Um, I don't know if those moves are out there, but I, I think your point holds. Switching gears here. Um, we'll see. To a, to I, a well-run organization. The Atlanta would, I mean, I was going to say, yeah, that's definitely true. And the Braves, like, but we can't have all. Everybody can't be a well-run organization, but there's just a lot of Chicago White Sox-itis going on with the Atlanta Hawks right now, and you never want to be uh, in that uh, that space. Um, the Falcons. First four games. The reason I throw this out there, we know the stats about teams who make the playoffs, generally speaking, win their first game. Like, it's actually kind of insane how important winning week one is in terms of whether or not you end up making the playoffs. It's like 12% of teams who don't win their opening week game uh, miss the play or end up making the playoffs. So it's your back's against the wall. For whatever reason, It you just, generally speaking, don't make the playoffs if you lose your first game. They get the Panthers at home with Bryce Young out of the gate. And we saw how uh, Atlanta, Carolina was last year and um, what that series has been the last couple. I mean, I think we've talked about in this very show that I think over the next couple of years, the battle in the NFC South, the top of the NFC South, is going to be the Panthers and the Falcons. And for very different reasons, but I think the Panthers are a trendy pick to just win the NFC South Bryce's rookie year and then be good right away but I don't know when you look at the first four here uh Max beating it uh Carolina is obviously important but what does this look like for you um does it look like three and one does it look like two and two like what should Falcons fans earnestly expect out of the gate here and how confident are you they beat Carolina at home to feel make you feel good about their playoff chances um I think two and two is fine personally uh because after those uh what is it they play the jaguars and then they play the they play the lions uh mm. are both of those games on the road at least one of them is well the jaguars is in london and it's, i think oh, Carolina uh, detroit home. is in detroit i want to say but it's, those are the those are the most difficult games they maybe play all year yeah uh those two right unless i'm missing something so like if they lose both of those games, yeah, it might signal something about like whether they're like a legitimate contender, but it doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean they won't win the division. Um, 
I think getting Bryce week one is great. Getting Jordan Love week two is great. Both of those games are at home, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to start 2-0. and I think those are both very winnable. I think the Falcons probably be favored in both those games. Yeah. Um, I think they're already like a three-point favorite, three and a half, maybe week one. Um, That's a coin flip. That's Vegas saying we're not sure. And I think it's just going to be a it's going to be a war right out of the gate. I think they're going to be pretty close. I I just I'm bullish on this team, period, yeah. man. Like, I, I think this team's going to be I, I, I think comfortably the best team in the NFC South. Um, and the schedule just aligns to they can win this division. They should win this division. Um, and so if they lose at. Detroit and in Jacksonville to a really good Jags team. Like I won't, it'll, it'll, I'll have to see sort of how that goes, but I don't, that doesn't, it's, it's in London. It'll get weird. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Germany. Yeah. Or Ger- is it Germany? I thought it was London. Is it Germany. It might be London. I think it, it might be London. Germany. I don't know. I I'm thought it was sure. London, but I could be wrong. I also think I like, I think this coaching staff is just rearing to go. Yeah, it's in London. It's at Wembley. Yeah. It, <clears throat> but it's also just, I can't, I'm already on edge thinking about Carolina week one. Like just when you go through what it means to win week one and it's a coin flip game, like it's a three point swing. Like that's just basically a toss up that this game can go either way. I mean, Garrett, when you look at it, how important is week one for you? And do you agree that two and two is pretty realistic and that that Falcons fan should be okay if that's the the start here? I mean, I'm, I just pulled up the schedule. So I mean, you've got Carolina, Green Bay, week one, week two, then at Detroit, Jacksonville, but you stop at four. So mm. I'm going to keep going. At five, then you have Houston. That's yep. a win. You have Washington at home. That's a win. Then you go well, on the road to Tampa Washington? Bay, didn't at Tennessee, Minnesota, Arizona. Like, There's a very realistic chance. There are, there are seven wins in these first ten weeks before the bye week. I'm, I'm just saying. like, You're at Arizona. You should win that game. You have Minnesota at home. That's a tough game. At Tennessee, you should be able to win that game. That'll be a good, a tough one. At Tampa Bay, you should win that game. Uh, Washington, you should win. Houston, Green Bay, Carolina. Those are all teams. Those are all games that you can win. And then I'm assuming you're going to drop at least one or two of them. So six wins, you can go six and four in your first ten games. That's not un- unrealistic when you're just looking at these games. And that's if you start two and two. So and you only need nine, that, right? Like you all to win the division, you might only need nine wins. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not comfortably. No, you need ten. I think you need ten wins. I also I think know. it's worth nine would get it done potentially, but ten, ten would get it. You done, feel probably. good at ten. You feel like no matter what you're a playoff, I don't feel good at, at ten. In this division, ten, ten feels fine. I think but it's then also you get the second half. That's where all your division games are. You play the Saints twice. You play Tampa yeah. Bay, and then you play Carolina. Which we don't play the Saints until November. We don't play the Saints once until uh, what is that? Thanksgiving? Is that Thanksgiving well, night? Yes, yeah, so it's Thanksgiving. No, it's the no. Sunday Thanksgiving. Or is the Sunday, Sunday Thanksgiving okay. of that weekend? But now this team plays zero primetime games. By the way, yep. um, well, until a flex, they might get flexed. <laughs> well, they have two two their TBD, but yeah, um, and they play one game at four o'clock, and that's just because they're playing at Arizona. But no, the, it shows that. Nobody is bullish on this Falcons team nationally. Max, I'm with you. I'm pretty bullish on this team. I think this team is loaded with offensive playmakers. It's just top to bottom. 
it's packed. I think the offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. Um, the defense is going to be vastly improved. I mean, they went out and spent $217 million in free agency. And we're going to pretend like that money just evaporated, right? No, of course not, because there's actual freaking talent on this team now. And like they've been playing with the Island of Misfit toys, but now they actually have something on this roster. Like you're talking about like Jeff Okuda goes down with an injury. Um, luckily he's going to be back hopefully early in the season, but it's not panic button. Like it would have been in the past. In the past, you have to go out and find a practice squad guy. Who's now going to be your left cornerback. Like, Hold on. Do you not feel good about Armstrong filling in? Just no, right I feel, I feel fine. Let's just put him That's in. my point. Like, you have Mike Hughes, you have all these other guys, you know? Like, Clark is going to be a, a, one of the better players. I love Clark Phelps, out of this man. I think class. Clark Phelps is going to be stud. awesome. Yeah. I don't like him necessarily as an outside corner, but if, like, bring him in as a nickel, I think that's fantastic. You go get a Jesse Bates and Kalias uh, Camp. I mean, David Onyemata. I mean, like, there's actual talent on this defense, so I'm pretty bullish on what this team can be. I think they'll take a big step forward on defense and offense. They can get up, they're a touchdown better on offense than they were last year. My gut says this front seven, and I don't know if you agree with this, Max. The front seven's gonna be good. I'm I'm inching very, very close to just going ahead and penciling that in. I think they get a whole lot more sacks this year than they did this past year. I think they get a whole lot more pressure. I think it's uh, a lot more exciting. Grady Jarrett gets a lot of help up front, mm-hmm. but I also I think the safeties play well. I think Richie Grant, Jesse Bates are good. I think the corners are gonna get torched. I think the secondary is going to suck shit at corner. Like Whoa. I am so ready to just teams are torching this secondary. AJ Terrell is just going to be the Popeyes worker where they're sitting down at their head down, just like try, fighting for their life against a uh, wide receiver one every week. That's my gut. If I, we get I, plus I, play from Jeff Okuda, I mean, well, okay, here's what I was going to say. I think I agree. Okay. I agree. With, I was going to say what Chase going to say. The weakness of this team is the corners. Um, sure. And so I think we're going to be really frustrated against teams with like two receivers who can throw it around. Like I'm looking yeah. at the schedule and I'm thinking about teams, you know, maybe fringe games that are going to be tough. Like Minnesota, for example, like yeah. I could see Minnesota throwing it all over us, you know, yeah. um, especially when you couple that with the fact that like, we don't really know where the edge rush is going to come from. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to get more pressure than they have in the past. But like the Falcons have, I think 32 sacks over the last two years. That's yeah. like, an unfathomable <laughs> number that's like not that's not humanly possible and so like there's still, there's still not going to be like a good edge rush pass rush team and when you couple that with like i think some questions at corner like some real questions and i obviously i love aj terrell i think just penciling in akuda at at the other cornerback outside cornerback slot is is risky for sure i like clark phillips but he's a rookie and rookie yeah. corners i don't know and then you have like darren hall and and you know, Mike, Mike Hughes, Hughes. That, that crew, like, yeah. doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. But in the macro, like, this defense will be better than last year. And I think the offense absolutely will be better than last year. Mm. And Desmond Ritter doesn't have to be, like, even very good uh, for this offense to be, like, a borderline top five offense in the NFL. And I, I, I sent you guys this podcast, but I would recommend everyone listen the athletic uh, football show did a, did a top 10 rank, like ranking of the top 10 offenses in the league. And there's some really good stuff in there about the Falcons um, and about just like how much shit Arthur Smith was cooking up with like nothing to work with. And now he's got real tools. Bijan uh, 
London and Pitts is a like certified backbone of an offense with that offensive line. Like that offense is going to cook. I feel very confident about that. Yeah. I am going to be like pulling my hair out when this defense keeps giving up third and 12 to, you know, Mike Evans fades, you know, like that's going to piss me off. Um, <laughs> but the safety play is going to be, I think, pretty good. And so yeah. I feel pretty good about the linebacking core. I like Troy Anderson. I like some of these second year guys. If like Ebiketti makes a real leap, like that's a huge pivot point. D'Angelo Malone has had a pretty good camp, I think. Like there are possible answers here, but I don't. That defense is like a year away from being actually good, you know. It's also like well, Nielsen might think... just be worse than DPs. Like we don't know that he's an upgrade. He's just different. It's true. It's a question mark. Yeah, it's an unknown for sure. I, I mean, I think that. There are pieces on this defense. I think this this set this you, you talked about the secondary, and yes, the cornerback position is is absolutely the weakness, I would say, of this team. Um, I think the the safeties will help mitigate some of that a little bit, at least. Um AJ Terrell so. is gonna have a, a bounce back season. Um yeah, we, we all hope so, right? Um, but then you but you mentioned like Arnold of Katie and, and guys like that. I think adding in talent on the defensive line to where it's not just, you know, a thin as a piece of paper. <laughs> along your defensive line is going to be a pretty significant addition to this team. So th- I think the the edge guys, like you're, you're looking at Arnold Abicati in particular to really take, take a step forward. Uh, if he can come in, if he can give you double-digit sacks next year, which admittedly on this defense is asking for a lot because that, like you mentioned, that stat with 30-some-odd sacks in the last two seasons, if he gives you double-digit sacks, I don't even know the last person. It was Vic Beasley, I think, in 2016 who gave you double digit sacks, which is saying something. So John um, Abraham before that, John, Ab- yeah, I think it was literally John Abraham before that. Um, but it's just not a common thing, but I think you have a handful of guys on this defense that can give you five to 10 sacks. Like Caden Ellis, I think can come in here and get you six, seven, eight sacks. That's not completely unrealistic to think that. And, you add in Grady Jarrett, who can get you five to ten sacks. Lorenzo Carter, year two. Yeah, he can get here in Atlanta, year two. He can get you five to ten sacks. Period. Jerry, Jerry, alone, Ray five Edwards. to ten sacks. Mm, no, come see. on, stop it. Caden Ellis but, literally had eight sacks last year. Like, yeah. that's not. I'm excited about him. It's not an unrealistic, but it's not unrealistic to think that. And then if you think that Arnold Epicady can really take a leap forward and get you to ten sacks. All of a sudden, like if this defense could get you 40 to 50 sacks, that's baseline NFL yeah. number. That's a baseline number. I think that this defense will take a, just a massive step forward because we haven't seen a pass rush that can actually have a pulse really since 2017. And look, when you actually put together an offense or defense, excuse me, that can get after the quarterback, it takes so much pressure, so much pressure off that secondary. And I think, this year in particular, they're really going to need to take that pressure off because like you guys mentioned, cornerbacks, is, it's kind of a weak spot, or at least it's an, an unknown. And Jeff Okuda going down with an injury, like I mentioned, there's not as much panic as there would be in past years, but there is still a little bit of nerve. There are a lot, a lot of nerves. Uh, when you saw the me- the way the media reacted when he did go down, because he was having a good camp, and he was really trending in, the, in a positive direction for this defense. And if he can come out, come back and be healthy, I think this defense, he's a very important piece. Like you mentioned pivot pieces. He's one of the pieces. Yeah. Okay. With it, it, it's worth remembering like the, the bar is the floor for this defense, right? This team won seven games last year with yeah. like a very, very bad defense. They improved that defense. So like 
they could have a bad defense this year and still win nine games, 10 games. Like that's totally, mm. totally reasonable if this offense hits like I think it can. Um, but yeah, like imagine, for example, it's football, right? It, one AJ Terrell injury away from like scary hours back there, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing you just can't, you can't build that depth out in a year, but you can start to stack draft classes. And like, I think we feel good about last year's draft class. I think we feel good about this year's draft class. And you supplement them with guys like David Onyemata and and Caden Ellis and yeah. Jesse Bates, and you start to like build out a real team. And I think they're building something here. And I think this year we're going to kind of start to realize the the ceiling. And I think the two question marks, I mean, there's really one question mark and it's quarterback. Um, the rest of it, we kind of understand. It's and also so, uh, the range of outcomes is pretty much to me dictated by Ritter. It's, it's tempering your expectations. Like we're talking about this team as if it's like a finished product. Uh, I think that's what you were kind of saying there. It's like, we're not, this is not a team that's going to go win a Super Bowl. And I don't think anybody's confusing this team with a Super Bowl contender. What we are saying is that this team can be a playoff contender. This is a team that can go win the NFC South. And this, granted, that's not saying much. It's not like you're in the division. Of, you're, it's not like you're in the, the NFC East or something where you have a lot of very good teams uh, competing for playoff spots. But when you have a team that's not really a Super Bowl contender and you know that, you're going to have holes. And I think that coaching has been able to mitigate a lot of those issues so can arthur smith do it again and take it to the next next level we haven't seen it yet but just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not capable of happening um, I, also, I think we have seen it like this was a f- i think it was a top 10 offense by dvoa last year with nobody like i i think we have seen it and i think this is going to be the best offense the falcons have had since that super bowl run like i don't i don't know I, I don't remember how those like post Super Bowl years were offensively. They, I agree, they were, you know, decent offensively. I think this yeah. offense is going to be like really, really fun to watch and really efficient. Um, Do you think it's be? Hold on, two things are true. I think this offense can be really efficient. I don't think it's going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be a lot of short. Depends stuff. what you like to watch. I, I, I was going to say this is going to be some navy. If they're ass scoring shit, points we're see a and lot we're winning here. games, it's going to be though, plenty like, fun to watch. I think it's, I, I don't know. I think with the the way that Arthur Smith schemes things up, like with the positionless stuff and like having guys split out wide, Bijan split out wide, you know, running routes and like pits flexed everywhere and like, you know, London doing it. I think that's fun to watch. Are they going to be like throwing it 30 times a game? No, but like. Are they going to be dead last in air yards? First of all, I think Bijan is going to be electric. Like I think that's going to so be too. awesome. But it's all going to be around the line of scrimmage is what I'm saying. Like everything they're doing is going to be very close to the line of scrimmage. I don't know. The, yeah, and watch Bijan Robinson turn space. a five-yard play into a 25 Look, I hope play. so. I'm excited. I think Bijan, there's no path to Bijan not being awesome. I think he's just going to be awesome. There's just, well, he he's like almost bust-proof to me. Like he's going to be this very good. Saying. No such thing as bust-proof. Trent Richardson proved that. But I, don't I, know. I mean, Trent Richardson can't go. He wasn't splitting out wide. Trent Richardson was no, more diverse. All I'm saying is, yeah. you never know. You never know. But the, he better be good. I don't know, man. Be, I'm like penciling him. He's on. he's been delivering so, yeah. so far in camp. He's been everything that's been. Even Troy Anderson looked like also, a non-athlete. But let's also not pretend like Arthur Smith has only ever run the football. Like his first year here in Atlanta, they threw the ball 33 times per game and only ran it 23 times per game. That was Matt. But Ryan. everybody only looks at last season. When you have Marcus Mariota under center and you're throwing the ball 23 times per game and running it 33. Yeah. That's all everybody cares to look at. But 
when you actually look at it, when they had competent quarterback play with Matt Ryan under center, they were they were throwing the ball 30 to 35 times per game. But and do we think we have competent quarterback play under center this year? I, uh, more than last year. Okay. I think we have a quarterback. I mean, the bar again, we, we talk about the bar is low. The bar is the very bar is low. Very low. <laughs> the bar at quarterback play is very low. So Desmond Ritter, I would not be surprised if he threw the ball 25 times per game to 30 times, times mm. per game. That's and, perfectly and, reasonable. Arthur Smith and I think it's going to go as the flow of the game dictates, but Arthur Smith can coach up multiple types of offenses depending on what's necessary. That's what makes him a good coach. You know, it's like if he's just going to be running the football, then teams would scheme against him and figure him out pretty easily. He's got to be a lot more creative than that, and he has been. He yeah. turned Marcus Mariota and a 33-year-old wide receiver playing running back into a top 15, top 10 DVOA offense. And, and he keeps he keeps saying this, and this is a coach who like doesn't say anything to the media. And he keeps being like, "Hey guys, I know you like keep talking about the running game. I'm like, Reasons yeah, we're gonna run the ball, but like we we coach to our personnel. Like just because we ran it last year doesn't mean we're gonna run it a ton, you know, as much this year." And he keeps saying it. And this is a guy who like doesn't give away anything about no. anything. And he keeps saying it. And I think the media just like, I mean, understandably, they drafted a running back at eight. Like they're gonna run the ball a lot, but. I, I think he is like he is the coach where like uh, good coaches coach their personnel, right? I think he like truly is a guy who coaches to his personnel. In Tennessee, he had Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown, so he ran the ball a ton and ran a lot of play action, and that was like an elite offense. Yeah. In Atlanta, he came here and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones were sort of at the tail end. All right, we're gonna throw it a lot. Okay, we have to deal with Marcus Mariota this year. Let's scheme the shit out of this running game and see what happens. Oh, we have Bijan now. Like, let's find the most creative ways possible to get him the ball uh, while creating mismatches for Pitts in London because they're freaks. I think that's what it's going to be. This is going to be a fun offense. Also, Tyler Algier is awesome. I'm, I'm Tyler Algier, it, people people he, also assume that he's going to go away. No, he's he's oh, going to no, get. Who assumes he's going 15, away? Most, no, just, most I, sort of random people types. on Twitter. Yeah, no, Tyler he's going to get 15 touches a game. Yeah. I would not be surprised if he gets 10 to 15 touches per game. I think he's going to lead the team in rushes. I think that's I think that's on the table too. It's not unrealistic. Yeah. Ten to fifteen, which, which though, is I think is a comfortable number. Off. Not me. I know, He's I've, a bowling I've, ball. I that means it's like Michael Turner reincarnated. No, I enjoy the Tyler Algier experience. And it's no, a build up too. He's he's one of those runners who you want to give him a steady flow. No. Because he's gonna he he wears down a defense. You saw that. That's how they won some games down the stretch. I'm just worried about the Felipe Franks factor here. Like, where does this <laughs> team go without Franks? Is Bijan gonna play in the preseason? I kind of don't want that. Hmm. We'll see. It's a good question. To, Does Kyle Pitts play in the preseason? Can you risk that? Kyle Pitts, is, I would not be. I would be surprised if Kyle Pitts played. Okay. Drake London, like London, play. London getting Desmond hurt in that play. preseason game last year. Just don't play anybody in the because we have football this week. We do or Friday. Friday. Yeah. I got Falcons flyover, so I'm really I'm ready for it. There Pretty you fun. go. I like it's our post game. It's our Falcons post game for anybody who doesn't know. <laughs> Live on ninety two nine. The game starting immediately after the game. There you go. Shameless plug. There's no shameless plugs here. Did you do like 10 hours of radio this weekend, Garrett? I did a lot of hours of radio. Yeah, I saw the Dope Millennials. Like, I saw Caleb's like posted like the link, and I was like, he's out here grinding. Like, I'm looking at the hours. I'm like, he's filling some content. Like, uh, Garrett, like in the, the doldrums of summer, I'm like, what is he pulling five hours of Atlanta sports content? Like, we're, we're doing an hour, and we could go. Like, we can pull it hey, out. Man, I got a solo show for four hours this weekend. So, do you really? Yeah. It's going to be fun. 
we'll do an hour with Max where he can talk all Michigan propaganda, <laughs> and I'll do an hour of Tennessee propaganda. And there's two right there for you. Michigan is loaded, man. Oh my god, you guys are gonna be fun. I can if we get that back room, that back, backfield, that backfield is gonna be really good. Corum and Edwards, Dylan Sampson, Jabari Small, Cam Selden, Jalen Wright. I don't know who's that. Tennessee. That would be Tennessee. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait for Joe Milton in a big game, man. Oh my god, I can't wait. Best ball in college football. In practice, for sure. Great no practice question. ball, for sure. Yeah. He yes. looks the part and he speaks well. Like I like he was. Standing I met him at the. I met him at the SEC media days. Dude just says the right stuff. He's just. He can seems like a great guy. Throw the ball very far. He could throw the ball really far too. He could throw the ball through a barn door, but it's whether or not he can hit it. He could down the stretch last year against Vandy and Clemson. He could. Yeah, he looked year. great in those two games. No, he really did. I mean, he's got. I mean, he's got a. He's got one of the easiest schemes to play in. Okay, in that's college enough. football. Uh, so. They're gonna be. Uh, it's not a not. <laughs> it's a quarterback friendly system. Yeah, you know what quarterback friendly systems are? Just good offensive systems. <clears throat> I hate that, that no when question. we throw it around. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Does not mean Joe Milton is a good a good football player. Look, Max, he's going top five, whether you want to admit it or not. I, I, I sure don't hope it's know. not. It's not for our team. That's for it's sure. It's the Anthony Richardson experience all over again. It is like, not that. He is. Uh, Feast or famine, baby. I love it. Uh, Garrett, what can the good folks check out from you over at 99 The Game this week? Oh, so we've got high school football kicking off here very soon. So we're going to be doing. Um, when is Corby going? 99 is going to be the next week. Okay. Next week. So that's going to be. We're going to be the home of. The Corky Kell Classic. I got. Uh, I'll be doing our pre, half, and post game for that. Um, I've got off the bench with Garrett Chapman coming up on Saturday. Uh, Falcons Flavor on Friday, and then Sunday more production and radio stuff, all kinds of fun things. So very busy. Plus, pads came on at Georgia Tech today. So I was over there talking to Brink Key and Company. We were having a good time. I don't know how you're very busy fall. It's gonna be a busy fall. That's a grind. I love it. You talk about this like I'm I'm naturally a very busy guy, but like Garrett's actually like I don't meet many people who like make me feel like am I busy enough? Like that's a pretty rare thing. But uh, Garrett's yeah. over here, he's grinding. Uh, Max, what about you? What do you plug? What do you if, do? If, if do anyone, anymore, Max? if anyone wants to slide into my DMs and solicit Falcons takes, I'm handing them out. I'm I'm like, you want to you want to take on like the linebacker you know last linebacker roster spot i'm grinding i'm on twitter looking at all the videos every rep from training camp like i'm so locked into this falcon season uh so that's what i'll plug it's gonna be fun if anyone wants to ever get like a really good falcons take uh i heard some nate landman buzz uh feeling good about that um that's what i'll plug what yeah linebacker yeah undrafted last year oh my god Bless. God bless Max Markovich. Who leads the team in tackles this year, by the way? Uh, tackles? Probably Troy. I was going to say, it's Troy Anderson, right? It's got to be Troy, Troy, right? Who if it's not Troy, is that Phil? It's got to be Troy. I just don't and see how it's going to be. Hmm. Sachs? is Arnold Epicady. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm starting the propaganda train. He looked good. He looked good. Uh, and then he got hurt. Hurt at the end of the season. I'm going Caden Ellis. Ooh. I like Caden Ellis. I think Caden Ellis is probably the sneakiest signing of the offseason. I really totally. like him. I think he can be great. I just think Arnold Abicati is going to get more of a look. I'm going to say David Onyemata. Whoa. I hope it's not David Onyemata. If it's David Onyemata, that means this 
defense is not getting sacks. It's either Animata or Clayus Campbell. But I don't know if Clayus Campbell makes it. Clayus Campbell's not going to be leading the team in sacks. Right, I don't yeah. think I don't think so. David Onyemata has 23 career sacks. He had five last year, though. And I think he's going to get a lot of nice situations. Sacks, like being next to Grady Jarrett's going to help him. Like that is a great spot to be in, in between Grady Jarrett. Having Kalias Campbell as your depth defensive lineman is also just. Well, can I also say un- it's Justin Houston to Carolina one year, eight million pissed me off today. Like I, I've been wanting Justin Houston to just get nine sacks for Atlanta on a one-year deal for the last seven years. The dude that's just what, never goes away. He's that's just, what Bud Dupree is supposed to do. No, Justin Houston actually does it. Bud Dupree doesn't play football. He's hurt all the time. Justin Houston's like sixty-three and he's still getting sacks. I'm not disagreeing. Justin Houston got nine and a half. Like, sacks you can't have Bud Dupree. And do you see that? He got nine and a half sacks last year. Justin Houston four is four like, and a half. He had four and a half in 2021, and then he had eight, 11, nine, nine and a half, four, seven and a half, 22. That's what I'm saying. He's like the most underrated edge guy of like the last decade. He just, no team commits to him long term. He has 111 career sacks. Never been a Falcon for some reason. We never, we, oh my God. Don't get me started on Justin I mean, Houston. Just never being a Falcon. Georgia, it drives man. me nuts. You can't afford Justin Houston and Ray Edwards. It's one or the other. <laughs> Oh my god! Now I need to go look. Jamal and Anderson. He's the other Jamal be. Anderson. This we're off the rails. It's, it's is gone. he the leader in career like active career sacks? Who? Justin Houston. No. Chandler Jones. That's a weird mm. call. Von Miller. Never mind. It's Von Miller. It's got to be Von Miller. Oh, I forgot about Von. He's fifth on the list. Who? Chandler? Oh, actually, I guess he'd be fourth. It's Von Miller with 123 and a half, Cam Jordan with 115 and a half, JJ huh. Watts retired, yeah. then Chandler Jones, and then Justin Houston. Justin Houston. Just oh. ironically, four of the five were drafted in 2011. This is what guys do. They just remember some guys. <laughs> They're just like, what he's uh what what do guys do? They really just love to sit around talking about Justin Houston not being an Atlanta Falcon. They're, that's what they really prefer to Wild. do. Garrett Chapman, Max Markovich, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to y'all very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.